0: Section One of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. A Fair Mystery The Story of a Coquette by Bertha M. Clay. Chapter One A Voice and a Face in the Night. Hush! "'For the love of mercy, hush, I cannot bear it.' "'But that which called forth this protest "'was only the lisping prayer of a little child at its mother's knee. "'Patty Brace lifted the white-robed figure to her lap "'and rested the brown head on her bosom. "'Mark,' she said, in mild remonstrance, looking at her husband, "'I say, I cannot bear it. "'You have her pray, God bless my home. "'It is too much. "'But why not?' "'On this wild, stormy night, "'when other little ones may be out in the dashing rain "'and moaning wind, "'is it not right to pray, God bless our home? "'But how long will we have a home, Patty? "'Think of tomorrow. "'Oh, heaven help me, tomorrow. "'Ruined, disgraced, "'going out from the home where I was born "'and forced into exile. "'I cannot bear it. "'We shall never have a home again, "'and our child will grow up homeless.' dear mark you cannot go out disgraced when you have done no wrong and homeless you will not be for home is where the heart is and in any land we three will be together and heaven over all i cannot feel as you do patty i am not gentle and good as you i blame myself that by going security for that smooth-toothed rascal whom may a curse hush said patty with sudden authority Mark, you shall not curse friend, neighbor, nor enemy. It is not your nature. It is wrong. If you curse anyone, how can you look to have prayer answered? Prayer, said Mark bitterly. I begin not to believe in prayer, or goodness, or any such thing. You have prayed, and that innocent little victim on your bosom has prayed, in her baby way. And has heaven heard? No. We lose our home, and I was born here. Heavier grew the round, brown head. Of the two-year-old child on Patty's breast, the little tanned hands fell apart with a sleepy grace, and the plump sunburned face took the moist flush of childhood's deep rest. Patty looked at her husband. He leaned against the wooden mantel-shelf. The ruddy light of the fire leaped across his sorrowful brow, and the wife saw the bronzed cheek wet with not unmanly tears. Beyond him, in the range of her vision, was the window looking toward the garden, and between the bushes of lilac and guelder roses, Patty had a swift vision of a tall woman, robed in black, a thin white face looking eagerly into the cheerful farm kitchen. She leaped to her feet, but the vision had faded. Only the wind swept the wet lilac boughs against the pane. Only the guelder roses looked like tall, dark, draped forms in the stormy night. "'What is it?' said Mark, as she started nothing said the wife little mattie sleeps i must carry her up to bed she chided herself for her fancies nothing said mark i have become nervous and womanish with my misery do you know patty even now i keep looking for someone or something to come and save me it is never too late said patty heaven could save you now save you even by so frail a thing as this baby child she passed to the upper room and left Mark still in his misery, hastily retracing his past in gloomy thought. Patty returned and stood wistfully, her hand on his arm. "'Don't despond, Mark. We are young, strong, loving. We will give honest work for honest bread.' "'It is not right for the innocent to perish with the guilty,' cried Mark vehemently, "'for you and baby Mattie to perish with me. "'You are not perishing, and how have you been guilty?' I seem to have been guilty somehow, all along. My father left me this farm in fairly good order, the lease for my life and one after me. I could not rest content. I must improve the land and improve the outbuildings and improve the breed of my cattle and sheep like a fool. No, like neither a knave nor a fool, like an enterprising farmer wanting to improve his prospects and grow with the age. Did not the Duke of Downsbury say you were one of his best tenants, and that you were a pattern of good farming and industry? And then, said Mark, intent on saying bitter things of himself, I had a thousand pounds, my father's savings, and instead of leaving it where he placed it, at safe, low interest, I must let the men of the great new bank of Downsbury persuade me to give all to them for big interest. And that bubble burst, the bank collapsed, swindled everyone." "'and left me nothing. "'No blame to you, "'and you were left your good name. "'Are you not known in all the country "'as honest marked brace? "'I must be a scoundrel some way, Patty, "'to have such luck.' "'Go on and tell your sins,' said Patty. "'You married a girl without money, "'Patty Leslie by name. "'You took care of her widowed mother till she died, "'and you were so foolish as to have a little girl-child "'who can only eat and not earn.' heaven bless her and you said mark marrying the best wife in the world was about the only good deed i ever did what did you start that way for again patty hark i heard such a strange noise a pitiful wail no further off than my heart said mark i heard nothing once married patty think how harvest after harvest has been poor and seasons bad so i could not lay up a penny not your fault mark i know i hear a cry no no my ears are keen i hear nothing it is the storm even the wind and rain are crying after the outgoing of the brace blood from the farm of brackenside oh patty why could i not let well enough alone and not go and sign security for that villain amwell you did it out of pure heart kindness you thought him honest and in trouble you helped him and he left me with a hundred pounds to pay he meant to do it all along he robbed me I robbed you, and tomorrow my goods must be seized. The crops will be bid off as they stand in the ground, and the farm tools and the house goods with them, for this terrible security. I have tried everywhere to get help. I spent all day today seeking for someone to lend to me, but since Farmer Dobbs holds a mortgage on my livestock for the debt the burning of the big barn brought me into, I cannot get any help. The lease must be sold to finish paying up Dobbs, i will not run off in debt like that scandrew amwell and with what is left we can emigrate patty oh how can i go i love every stick and every tree and every sod my mother and father lie here in yon churchyard and i had hoped to lie with them honest mark brace covered his face with his hands and his strong tall figure shook with the storm of his sorrow He loved every foot of this land, where, boy and man, he had sung at his work and lived popular and respected. A fine stalwart young Englishman, intensely a home lover, it seemed to him impossible that other skies could be so blue, other breezes so jocund, other fields so green, as these that blessed his birthplace. Patty, in mute sympathy, clasped her hands about his neck, friend in woe as in joy she too loved and suffered but hers was a cheerful hopeful pious soul she could not despair as mark did mark had been loudly accusing himself where he was guiltless now with the inconsistency of misery he turned to declare his own uprightness and by implication the injustice of heaven why has this come to me other worse men have happier fortune have i swindled men like the bankers who carried off my all have i lied like ned amwell did i ever cheat in my men's wages have i sent the poor empty from my door have i failed to pay my tithes or miss church on sundays do i drink do i swear do i ever go to sleep in church why then have i such trouble the wild minglings of crimes errors and peccadilloes might have made a disinterested listener laugh it did not make patty laugh nor did it call forth an answer she turned an intent ear to the outer world and said uneasily, "'Mark, listen. Other souls are in pain. It is not the wind that I hear, not the dashing rain. I have heard sobs and moans and crying in the night, a child crying, like a little baby soul that has lost its way and can find neither earth nor heaven.' "'Your fancies make me mad,' cried Mark angrily. "'My troubles are real, and so will yours be to-morrow.' shrill and clear the cry quivered in the air he too heard it it is little mattie he cried run to her and he followed patty fleet-footed up the stairs but little rosy mattie slept tranquilly and the two came slowly down patty opened the kitchen window and the swirling rain drenched her dark hair as she leaned into the darkness come in there will be nights enough to face storms said mark hardly we are only both fanciful or as my old granny used to tell me since we are flitting from the hearth where we have kept warm so long the souls of my ancestors are mourning for my sorrow poor old granny little she knew how i should leave the old roof-tree patty sprang to her feet mark come with me it is no fancy no spirit it is real some human being out in this tempest let us search everywhere and give the homeless a shelter this last night that we have a home she ran from the room and mark followed her into the stone-flagged entry her vehemence carried him away he reached over her shoulder and aided her trembling hands to undo the door-bolt starless the night no balm on the summer air the raw chill of autumn brooding under the beating rain a murky heaven over land and sea and once again that wild only half-human wail coming up now from their very feet Patty sprung into the dark, vine-draped porch, the red light from the kitchen crept fitfully to the threshold, and close beside the door-sill lay a bundle in the poor shelter of the latticed porch. From that bundle came, shrill and piteous, that miserable cry. End of chapter 1